Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Hello, my question is, when does a trigger that turns into thoughts actually turn into a behavior? the behavior of fantasy or obsessing. Do you have any tips on how to stop? And uh, do you have any tips to stop triggers and thoughts from becoming behaviors? Yeah, I do. I mean, this is something we use in treatment that I've always liked, which is, you know, if you break it down, you know, like I thought about, I don't know, I looked at the computer and then I thought about this, like make little boxes. I thought about this and then I, you know, I got some money out of the ATM and then I was driving around this part of town and, you know, it doesn't really matter so much to me what the thoughts and behaviors are because one's going to lead to the other. The other thing to do is when you're done with that and you've gotten all the way to the behavior, match them up with boxes that say what you were thinking. Well, I was thinking I'd just go to the ATM and this and that. Well, I was thinking maybe I'll drive this part of town and go through each one so that you can see your motivation, what you were thinking. And then the third thing to do, if you want to make a third set of boxes, is an emergency escape hatch, which is, okay, I am in this situation. I am thinking these things. What can I do? And every one of those. So this is actually an exercise. Um, but as I always say when I teach it, if you don't have people in your life to call, if you don't have uh, involvement in some kind of support, therapy, recovery, whatever, it, it, a lot of what you need to do to exit isn't on there because, and I'll say this to you addicts, uh, I don't like to call people in general. And if I don't have a relationship with them, I'm certainly not going to call them when I want to act out because I don't want to talk to them. So anyway, um, that's how we do it. We actually make a little kind of movie slide and go backwards on behaviors, on thoughts and uh, exit plans. Hey, how was that, Tammy? That was pretty... I think that was really good. So yeah, I, I was like, do you have a three-circle plan? Because if you do, you're going to you're gonna know when you're in that middle circle and things are starting to slide into the inner circle. Did you do the Sex Addiction 101 or the Porn Addiction 101 work group? Because on SeekingIntegrity.com, they talk about you know those type of things. So, um, uh, but, but interrupting what Dr. Rob said, interrupting the exit, or the emergency plan, what do you do to interrupt that? You know, as soon as, you know, I mean, we talk often about, you know, the three second rule. If you see something, you know, what do you, you, you interrupt it because going down the whole path of, you know, playing it all out in your head turns into fantasy and obsessing and, you know, then acting out. So that's, you know, that, that what recovery is, is doing the opposite of what we want to do initially. I mean, it's like, we're so used to doing the same thing over and over again. So interrupting the, the circuit so that we can go, wait, stop and do something different. Um, but I'm glad you're asking the question. I mean, that's good that you're trying to figure out what I need to do in order to do things differently. So, And I just wanted to add two things, which is that every addict who doesn't have a lot of recovery is thinking all the way to how great it's going to be to act out, to be in that place, to be with that person, to be looking at the porn, whatever it is, or get the drugs. And we're looking at that. But the great thing to think about is what happens after. You know, right at this moment, I'm thinking it's going to be great. It's so exciting. I can't wait till I get there. But think to yourself, when I leave, am I going to be worrying about an STD? Am I going to be an hour and a half late to pick up my kids? I'm going to hate myself. Because I think thinking beyond, what do you say, Tammy? Think beyond the drink or there's right. something in there yeah. um, that works in AA. The other thing I wanted to reinforce is what Tammy said. When you hear me give, <clears throat> excuse me, a mini lecture, like go through the behaviors and the thoughts, that's what's going on in those classes is they're sitting down and they're taking these 
big issues and breaking them down in ways that you can get through them because, you know, a, a Q&A is great, but getting in the work is uh, really where it's at. So thanks for bringing that up, Tim. Yeah, but and I really think because, you know, getting other people's input, because if if I sat down early in recovery and tried to write everything down and didn't get help, I won't, would not have been successful. I would have minimized. I would have lied. I would have not known that that was really a trigger for myself. So having other people that have been on the path that can guide me was critical to me being able to do things differently. So it also gave me hope that there was, you know, there was a chance. So. And there was. So, okay. The next question, I pulled two of them. They weren't um, right together, but okay. So um, empathy, honesty, transparency, intimacy. Some people can get there. Some people cannot. It has been two and a half years since D-Day. We both have CSATs. He goes to three to four 12-step meetings a week and is sponsoring. He has just finished his sixth step. My essay husband does not show me any of the above. It causes us to argue. He lies and is not honest is not transparent, cannot share recovery progress due to shame, guilt. Intimacy seems to only occur with sex or when we are discussing things we still need to work on, like the above. He rarely offers me comfort. I know some people can get there and some people cannot. How much time is appropriate to wait and know whether my spouse is ever going to be able to give me the above, which I need and deserve? Okay, so I'm gonna, that's a very good question. And we hear it all the time in various ways. Like how come this hasn't become a better person or how come they're not kinder? Or how come they don't listen to me? Because they were a year and a half in and I see that they're healing in that way, but we still don't have what I would call intimacy, which isn't just necessarily sex, but a deeper sharing of a connection. And, you know, there are a lot of answers to that, which, you know, one of them could be, we don't know how, if we knew how we would, and we kind of see you standing over there going, Hey, I'm right here. And we think, Oh, hi. Yeah. I'm okay here. I'm good. Because, you know, it takes some, therapy, some 12 step, all of that kind of stuff to learn. I, I, you know, learn what intimacy is to learn what communication is with someone you love. And also, um, I was, I wrote this down for you guys. Um, one of the things the therapist said to me a long time ago, I was, I was trying to, I had dated someone and I was trying to go back to it because I broke it off and I was lonely and I wanted to go back to this dating experience. And I went to my therapist and I said, I, we're finally separated, but I can't think about anything but getting back together. And he said, you know, think about it this way. Who you are together is who you are together. The people that you are, your spirit, your soul, your beliefs, your values, your, your fun, you know, your, how you feel about community, babies, all of that is who you are. Um, you can't change that. If Tammy and I had too many things that weren't in common and we didn't have the horrendous childhoods that we share, um, you know, we might not be, but we connect. We're friends. And um, it's about who we are as people. And I'm giving you this as an example. If Tammy and I are arguing, and we do sometimes, um, it doesn't ever have to do with who we are. It has to do with how we're acting. So that we can change. We can communicate better. We can listen better. We can talk more politely. I can um, you know, be more considerate and thoughtful. Those are things, if I focus on them, I can do. That's how I act. But who I am who I am. And I had to accept that a long time ago for myself. And I know that's not an, a, an exact science, the answer I gave you. And probably Tammy could talk about doghouse some more specific things, but I, that always stuck with me and I never forgot it. So I thought I would share that with you guys. And I really appreciate that. I think that that's really, um, uh, it, it is important. So, so at some point, you, you know, I, I go I, like, I kind of cringe when two and a half years and he's only on the sixth step, you know, like, like, I think the I'm grateful he's through four and five. That's hallelujah. But, 
you know, six and I mean, through nine is where we really get the freedom. And is he actively working 10, 11 and 12? But I know that you don't know because he's not telling you that. Um, so I, I, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, are there some healthy boundaries you can set for you of like, this is what I'm looking for. And I know that this is uncomfortable for you, but you know, we've shared a zillion times on these webinars is like, do you have um, a, you know, can you carve out 20 minutes a few times a week and say, here's what we're going to talk about. And, and are you doing the Thanos check-in? I mean, that's kind of a simple, um, there's other check-ins too. You guys can create your own, but you know, there, there are check-ins where you can get kind of this information without it being, you know, you need to tell me, and I don't want, I mean, like that whole tension of, of, of things at some point, you know, is, are you seeing enough are you seeing enough? Are you seeing enough actions that are changing that you see a path that is going to be, you know, hopeful to a place where you do feel that you are getting what you need and deserve? And I also want to say, expecting him to be your whole source of need and deserve. You know, I am so glad you're here, but I hope you are leaning into a whole bunch of other people, some in the recovery world where you're leaning into other betrayed partners, but other that are just fun friends that you, that you are, you know, getting needs and supports met because I don't think as we, as people can be the sole person for any other sole person. I think we need that, that community. Um, Debbie McRae does a great job on her webinars on Friday nights or Friday afternoon. Afternoons. And she talks about, um, you know, she had a kind of a posse of friends. And, you know, when she needed, you know, somebody to be kind of the, well, this is what you need to do kind of thing. She had that when she needed somebody to be the softer, kinder, you know, she had the friends where she knew that that was their strength and she could lean into them for that. I think Rob and I do the same thing. We, we lean into each other when we know we need what the other one can give us. Kind of a, I have other friends where I reach out and go, I need to have, I need to have clarity on this. But I don't expect my spouse or any one friend to be my only person that's going to be able to give me. So if you've created that and then you still feel that he is not going to, that he is not making um, progress in a meaningful way that you see that's going to be workable for you, then it isn't about days and times and all that. It's about you. And when your head and heart align and you go, I need to leave you leave. If you go, I can see the path forward and I'm willing to continue this journey, then you stay. And, you know, sometimes it's on a day by day basis that you make that decision. So Dr. Rob, you have well, something else? I wrote a book about this and I'm saying it for a reason. So I wrote a book called Out of the Dog House, a relationship saving guide for men caught cheating. I have never known a man in my entire career, seeing probably a thousand of them who knew how mm -hmm. a woman was feeling about the loss of betrayal. And therefore, since he didn't understand the problem, he didn't understand the depth of it, the pain of it. He just wanted to fix it, you know, and that's what we want to do. Uh, that's us guys, you know, uh, straight, gay, whatever. We want to fix the problem and you need to be heard and understood. And it's a whole different thing. But I wanted to tell, uh, so it's story night, Tammy. It's just story night. There you so, go. And uh, sometime in the early 2000s, I was invited to be on a daytime talk show that began with the letter O. And I was really, really excited. And ended in pra. In Prague? Pra. Oh, pra. No, I, I'm just saying it began with the number letter O. And, you know, there are others. So uh, actually was visited twice. But that's a whole different issue. But I, I did this television show. And I was really proud of myself. I mean, they called me. And I... Um, my mom had just moved here and I was taking care of her. And I went and I was like, hey, guess what, mom? You know, this happened. I know you've seen it on TV or whatever. And she turned to me and she started talking about the, the O show that she'd seen that day. And, oh, I like that show and blah, blah, blah. And I said, mom, I think you're missing the point. 
And she said, well, what do you mean, sweetheart? She did not know. And so I said to her, mom, I want you to hear this. When I bring you something that's really makes me happy, that's really good, I want you to say, I'm proud of you. And she looked at me and she said, oh, I'm proud of you. And she said that every single time after that, that a good thing happened. That's how emotionally uh, challenged a lot of us addicts are, is we have no idea. When you say you're not meeting my needs, you're not being kind, you're too narcissistic. We don't know what that means. I mean, literally, you guys might, but I think you might have to, what I would do, I wrote this down, is make a list of what are the things that you would like to hear, for example, or see happen, and then sit down and teach him. That's what out of the doghouse is. This is what you need to do. I figure if you do something for a while and it works out, then it'll be reinforced that it's good and you'll do it more. So um, even though every partner here wants to hope, pray that we'll finally get there and understand and be compassionate, it may well be that we don't know how. Um, and that in itself is shameful and embarrassing. So help us. Um, and that was a place that I would start because if he loves you, he'll want to learn. So I love that answer. It's a good answer. <laughs> good job, Rob. Thanks, okay. Tammy. Oh, that's what I wanted. I know. I'm proud, I'm of, proud you, of you. I'm oh, proud of you, Dr. Rob. So. I have even know. And I'm not that. your okay. mother. So, okay. So the next I question. never. Mm -hmm. I know. So, okay. So how does a betrayed spouse deal with the flooding of intrusive thoughts about the SA husband's sexual acting out? That's a great question. We get asked that a lot. Well, I, I want, actually, Tammy, if you don't mind, you talk, I, I'm glad to jump in, but I'd love you to start. Um, from the perspective of the calls you get and what people have to say, and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so people calling looking for help for the SA husbands or for themselves. We only, so our treatment program at, you know, at Seeking Integrity, we only work with uh, sex addiction, uh, intimacy disorders, and co-occurring sex addiction and chemical dependency for men. You know, so and we porn. have residential Don't treatment. forget the porn. Yeah, well, I, I, porn is part of the intimacy disorder. So I, to me, yeah. so anyway, anyway. So when people are calling, often it's a betrayed spouse that's going, I don't know what to do. And, and, and so you being here is great. And how we start, you know, um, how we start is we, it's, we start to do mindfulness things. We connect with other people. We have safe places where we can um, uh, express this. This feels like it's probably early, you know, in, because um, if you're feeling flooded with the intrusive thoughts, and I know also that partners so often think that the sex addiction is about sex and it isn't. Sex addiction isn't about sex any more than alcoholism is about, gosh, that alcohol tastes great. It feels really personal. I'm not minimizing the pain and hurt, but what the, the what an addict is doing is looking for a coping mechanism, a way to escape. Like Dr. Rob was just saying about the last question, it's like, we don't have tools to use to do life. And so, so we found this way that worked sort of for us that kept us sort of safe. And so we compartmentalize, we dissociate, we, we go to a place where we get dopamine. We do all the things that we've learned will help us be able to navigate a world that we don't navigate well. So it's very painful to spouses. So, so one of the things is not doing a DIY. Um, I know if you had discovery, that means you found out you weren't planning to find out, but not doing a DIY disclosure where you're grilling and asking questions and getting answers that you can't unhear. So part of the, part of the challenge is getting the right help to support each of you so that you can do a 
formal therapeutic disclosure. You can have the support that you need so you aren't getting flooded with information that you can never unhear or unsee. That said, then doing some trauma work, you know, some do EMDR, some do some somatic work, whatever mode is helpful, but working with a qualified betrayed partner support person, going to the support groups on uh, sexandrelationshiphealing.com. We've got numerous ones, you know, for betrayed partners that can help support you in the, you know, in, in the situation, in the crises that you're in. Dr. Rob wrote a book called Prodependence, Moving Beyond Codependency. He's got the new version. He just finished this weekend. Uh, so there'll be a new version coming out. But that really talks about, you know, it's not your fault. Nothing you did or didn't do was why your sex addiction husband is you know, is acting out. And I think too often partners are focused on the why and not focused on the how, how do I, how do I ground myself now? How do I move forward, you know, so that I have joy and you will, you know, you can, you know, again in my life. And so um, it, it really is, what do you need in this moment to take care of you? Um, I mentioned a Debbie McRae, um, you know, who does, uh, the pro-dependent webinars. She has a lot of good tools. Matt Wheeler, is, there's so much good resources on our website. So I'm, you know, lean into those to help steady the ship that's, you know, in torrential waters right now. So that they're Robin, free. Yeah, and those are free. all free. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, you know, I, I could speak. That would be my dog wondering why I'm not playing with him, <laughs> but that's okay. He, he, you're not important right now. I love you. Um, I've heard a bunch of stuff down. Um, feelings have no time. So, you know, for me, when someone passes, for example, it isn't just the feelings of them. I start to think about when my sister or my mom or other friends or, you know, and when I love someone, I start to feel all the love I have ever felt in my life. You know, it just, that's how feelings are. So it may be that you are grieving some things that have happened to you before. You know, maybe you have been betrayed before. Maybe you have been violated before. Maybe you've been let down by someone you really love before. And all of that is going to come flooding up along with because feelings have no time. So I, I didn't see that you were in therapy. I really do think that this is the kind of thing that you want to get therapy for. I wonder if the dog has to go out. That might be a good thing to think about. Um, so let me just say a couple of other things really quick. Um, if you can't hold on to hope, let someone else hold it onto you, onto it for you. Sometimes I work with someone there. I'm just so hopeful. I said, you know what? I'll be hopeful for you. I just heard Tammy say she'd hold some hope out for you. Find people who love you who say, hey, I'm going to love you till you can love yourself back. And there, I'm sure, are some of those people in your life. Um, the other thing I just thought of is Tammy mentioned mindfulness, I think. And, you know, I'm always aware here and in the podcast that lots of people will not have the money or the resources for therapy. But I was thinking, well, the YMCA teaches a mindfulness course, you know, the local gym, you could probably go for $8 for one session. There are, the thing about this kind of trauma is, is there a way in a safe and loving way that you can get, that you can get control back? And it doesn't sound like I've got to stop feeling. It's more like, how can I relax into it and, and, and really nurture myself? And if you don't know how to do that, you know, you can be taught. And, and if you don't have the resource for therapy, there are other places to get support. I got to make sure my dog doesn't poop. I'll be right in the house. I'll be right back. That would be good. So, so oh, I can to hear my, you. I hear you. So um, the mindfulness I learned because I um, have a short attention span. So the four, seven, eight breathing takes me about two minutes, completely grounds me. Um, Mark Anthony Lord had done some um, 
uh, webinars on our site on sex and relationship healing. And he did mindfulness, you know, for a few minutes. And it was, I mean, just the grounding and being focused on it, you know, two to four minutes. And that was super helpful for me. And I've continued to do those type of things. So, so I encourage it. There's apps like the call map and things like that, but just getting, you know, we talked about disrupting the system, you know, earlier. Well, like disrupting the system for a betrayed partner could be, I need to go out for a walk. I need to physically go do something, move. You know, I have friends that do yoga. They do it very well. That's really positive and healing for them. I am not a yogi person. I look silly. I don't care about looking silly. It's just like, I just don't get it anyway, but there's things you can do that. And, and even if you're going like, I can't control all of that, but I can control what my body is doing right now. I can control that my, what my breathing is. I can control my Peter that, I mean, that is, that shifts things and, and, and is a little calming. So I know it feels horrible right now, but I really do. I'm holding hope that I promise you that regardless of what he does, you can find a, a space and peace and joy, you know, for you again. So ready for the next one? Yes, ma'am. I am. My wondering dog would like if, to play, but I know. Well, you can play with him if you can do it quietly. So I am wondering if you believe that regular sex is assumed agreement when you get married. I always think assumed agreements are challenging to add to uh, that. Is that a lawyer? I mean, what does that I know. person do? Well, for I don't know. An... So it doesn't matter. So to add to that, do you believe that not having sex for whatever personal or external reasons is the same as or justification for the other person not being as nice or not having any other non-sexual touch? Can you explain why or why not? Thank you both for your service. So. Would you mind breaking? I mean, I can see different parts of this, but so, Tammy, can you? So, do you, let's start with: Do you think that regular sex is part of a, an assumed agreement when you get married? Start there. Uh, I don't assume anything. I mean, if I didn't have a sexual life, if I was celibate before I had decided to marry this person, we we would naturally have conversation. Even if we weren't, even if we were religious in a way that didn't allow us to be sexual, we would have lots of conversations. Um, you know, there are certain things that are negotiable and certain things that are in relationships, you know, uh, do you want to have children or not? Um, if you like to be hung up upside down, you know, have someone beat you on the head while you're having sex and someone else doesn't, that could be a game breaker. I know I'm being silly, but I'm just trying to say yeah, right. it no, it's important. an extreme. Yeah. But, but it's real, you know, you know I mean, like you have to and, be clear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're not someone who has premarital sex and there are certainly still people, then you've got a bit of a conundrum that you don't really fully know. And but you can certainly sit down and talk about it either together or with a with a pastor or with someone else in your life. That's question one. Uh, do you believe that not having sex for whatever personal or external reason is the same as or justification for the other person not being as nice or not having any other non-sexual touch? So withholding touch and positive emotional interaction. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, if someone wants to have sex with you and you don't want to, and they pout and withdraw and, uh, you know, kind of take, take themselves away from you, that's abusive. I mean, there's no difference in saying, I'm, you know, I can't believe you want to have sex with me. I, it's so important to me. And just pulling your love away, basically. Either way is like a five-year-old. You're having a tantrum or you're not going to talk to anybody and go in the corner. So um, I don't think this is, um, this, if ta- the way Tammy said it is accurate, it sounds very childish. And again, you know, I want to go back to the beginning. There's communication pieces missing in this relationship. Um, there are questions that you guys need to be ans- asking each other. Um, 
do you want to, is there one more in there? Cause there's something else. I was well, say. it says, can you explain why we're not? Um, so, so to, are you, are you, well, let me just throw one more, more thing to add? in there. Okay, please. Yes. I have couples that like to have, I mean, healthy couples, you know, or couples in recovery. They like to have sex every day and they're in their, what, late fifties. I know couples in their thirties who don't have sex very often because it's just not important to them or they have issues and they relate and connect in other ways. Which is the right couple? Which is a healthy couple? And the answer is both. You know, no one gets to decide. There are couples who don't have sex for 30 years. Some of you say, oh, that's the addiction. No, you just may. I mean, that that happens. And so the question is, how can we, and I really like this, how can we get even closer since that may not be, I mean, this person's withdrawing. I would hope that someone with whom I couldn't be intimate in that way would move toward me so that we could have other kinds of connections. I'd get back rubs and I would get you know, surprises and, and we'd have hours to talk about fun things. And I would hope that there would be other ways in which I would feel you know, loved and supported, not punished because it was something I didn't feel like doing. By the way, I'll say one more thing about sex, <laughs> that um, there is some research, Tammy, between couples that have a lot of sex and couples that don't have a lot of sex. And there's one thing that's different about them. This is true. I'm not making this is not a joke or anything. Mm-hmm. Couples that are having regular sex tend to resolve conflicts faster. Mm-hmm. That is the only difference we can find between couples who have sex in terms of satisfaction. And um, apparently you're able to work it out easier. And that's really it. So um, but being punished for not wanting to be sexual, that's abusive. Yeah, I, I thought that seems very emotionally immature was the term I was going for. Um, and justification for a person not being nice. No, that, again, feels like emotionally immature, especially if it's this personal or external reason. So I thought, oh, my gosh. So, you know, say you're sick or you just had surgery and you're, you, I don't know, I'm making this up, but I'm like, goodness, like, you know, what's going on in your life? How are they supporting you, you know, in, in other ways? So, but the assumed agreement you know unless you have talked about all of these things then you know that's often what happens in relationships is you know people assume that finances we're going to you know, think the same way we're sex we're going to think the same way whatever and families we're going to think the same way and they don't and then there's conflict and not knowing how to resolve it you know is problematic so you know um if there isn't betrayal which you didn't indicate but if there is not betrayal then working with a a couples therapist to help navigate that you know could be helpful if there has been betrayal then you want to work with a qualified professional for that but again that's you know there's no justification for um you know for being abusive and the um other thing i was thinking of is why would you want to have sex with somebody who's treating you badly is abusive, punishing you and not creating a trusting environment. So, so to me, that would like, it's turning the opposite. You're getting the opposite result that you're hoping for of like, you know, having a tantrum um, is not getting you what you ultimately want, which hopefully would be not just sex, but connection and and, uh, real intimacy in the relationship. Okay. Uh so are you going to have any coffee tonight, Tammy? I don't need any coffee tonight, thanks. But oh, do you I think like I your... should have more oh, coffee? Pra. Mug. Oh, pra. Did you that know that only people who have been on the show get a mug? I did, because you've shared that with me before. But thanks for sharing it. Oh, I, I, I shared this with you before. <laughs> yes. He, yeah. I can't He's imagine. very proud okay. of his mug. So he did share that only people that are... So like that was one you don't ever break. 
got to put it in front of your face if you want it to. Well, then show. I was a Newsweek around Bill Clinton, but that's a whole other issue. Okay, that's let's a whole not, It's not about you. So let's keep talking. So what if your SA husband refuses to do a therapeutic disclosure? Any suggestions? Well, uh, boy, Tammy, you start that because I got all kinds of yeah, ideas. So it kind of depends. Um, if you guys are working with uh, qualified professionals, then I would lean into what the, the qualified professionals do. If he is... If he's unwilling to do some, so a good formal therapeutic disclosure, 92% of couples, you know, see that well done, not the do it yourself versions, you know, um, but a well done one, you know, with enough time. So it isn't, you know, you know, I had discovery last week and now we're going to do a formal therapeutic disclosure and a whole bunch of stuff is going to be missing. So you really do want to make sure that it's going to be well done, but that really sets the foundation for moving forward. So what I hear is somebody that probably wants to just sweep it under the rug and just thinks that you should probably move forward and forget all about that. It's behind us. So, um, so to me, it would be what, what is your healthy boundary around that? And there's lots of videos on what is a healthy boundary. How do you set them? Um, so check those out on sexandrelationshiphealing.com. But what is your healthy boundary around that? What do you need to see in order for the relationship to, you know, to settle and then have the opportunity to move forward? But when I wrote a, I wrote a blog about, you know, I hear um, he won't do this. I hear that a lot. Oh, he won't do that. He won't do this. And I'm like, well that's kind of an answer for you. It's like, if he won't do anything, then what do you need to do to create safety? And whether you stay or leave, completely your choice, but what do you need to do to take care of you? Because you can, addiction is a chronic condition. It will get worse. So what do you need to do to take care of you regardless of what he does? So Dr. Rob? Well, one of the things that just more practically came up and Tammy, you know, I love having, I love listening to you talk. Um, I really do. <laughs> uh, you were you were a fount of wisdom. Fount, fount. Um, one of the things I wonder about here is where is there is there a therapist? Like, are you seeing a professional? Is he seeing a professional? Because to me, this is an impasse, and it's not something I don't think you're going to get through without someone. Maybe he doesn't understand what disclosure is. Maybe he did what a lot of my clients do. You love this, Tammy. They go to a trust meeting and they say, some therapist is making me do disclosure. I don't want, I think it's bad for my wife. And then all the guys come around and say, you're right. You should never tell anything. Of course, they don't want to tell anything either. Um, so it really depends on, you know, if it's just, I don't mean just, but you promised me this, you aren't doing this. You know, how is are we ever going to get better? You know, I don't think that's going to make much of an impression. Um, I think it's more going to be, um, well, let me just say this. Most folks, even addict or not, uh, rarely make big moves unless they're uncomfortable. You know, if I'm sitting on the couch and I'm really comfortable, I don't move. And if I'm comfortable with my addiction, I don't move. And if I'm comfortable keeping my spouse's mouth shut so I don't have to share this, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, the only way that is going to probably motivate me is the consideration that you uh, might move away from me in some way. You know, that you might not spend as much time with me, that we may not be in a bed together, that, you know, you may need to live somewhere else, that, you know, there's a whole continuum, like Tammy said, not saying move out, but there's a whole continuum of ways to, to say, I can't be in, you know, in this situation in this way, and I need to take care of me, not are you doing this, but I need to take care of me and say, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm going to do more of this and more of that, and I won't be around as much. Um, and as we said earlier, you know, it, as painful as it is, 
it is really good for all of us to learn how to get needs met from a lot of folks around us. You know, we live in a culture that puts us in a box with two parents and two kids and that's it. And, you know, human beings are essentially more communal than that. I think that's part of why we heal in 12-step programs is because there's a community involved. Well, and to go back to having a professional involved, Dr. Rob on Tuesdays has a peer case consultation group. And do you know what the number one topic is with the peers who are trained to do formal therapeutic disclosures? It's formal therapeutic disclosures because they're complicated. So trying to do these yourself is, you know, I think of the TV shows where they're like, help, I wrecked my house, you know, and they have to bring somebody in to fix what they tried to start doing themselves. It's harder because things are a bigger mess. So I invite you, if you, you know, if you want to heal, you know, there, you know, there, nobody knows how, nobody ever, you know, got in a relationship and thought, well, at certain point, you know, years or, you know, decades in, I'm going to have to deal with this. And so it's like getting the right help, you know, is a path to moving forward in a different way. You know, we, we have a, we have a residential treatment program. You know, we hear consistently from the alumni that it was life changing. What I care more about, I mean, I really appreciate that. I, I love that the guys, you know, are inspired and, and are on a different path. They really are. But I really love it when I hear it from partners and spouses that they see that this person has changed. And we hear that regularly, not for the ones that come and, you know, check off the boxes and, you know, go back and want to do the same thing. But for the guys, you know, that are really there and that want to, um, that want to be on a different path and that want to work on healing the relationship, they, you know, that's, they, they have a great foundation on which to build and the support to do it. So. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.